Hi everyone, welcome back to Paranormal. I'm your host, Marie Adaranti, and I am again by myself today. I mean, not like totally by myself because I've got my dog and my cat and my new foster cat hanging out with me. But um, other than that, I'm like the only human being in this room currently. Um, Yeah, and that's cool. I got a couple good stories to tell by myself. So at least there's that. I'm just hanging out drinking my gin and ginger ale. Um, Still working on the bottles of alcohol that I found in the back of my freezer. So I mean... If it's there, why not? Am I right? Uh, My old foster cat got adopted a few weeks ago and I was um, contacted by the rescue that I foster through that another little tiny kitten was um, looking for a foster and his name is Magic and he's a little black kitten, little black magic. And I have a black cat already and I have a black lab. My dog's a black lab. And now I've got this other tiny little black kitten and I kind of want to keep this one because it kind of fits with my theme of black animals. And I only adopt black animals because they're the ones that get killed first at the shelters because nobody ever wants to adopt them. And if you can hear that rustling in the background, it's just my cat playing with a plastic bag. He's fine though, I promise. Anyway, um, I guess I'll start this off by a really, really nice message that I got um, from a new fan that I guess has been listening named Becca. Becca's from Maryland, and she wrote me a really nice message, and she said, Hi, Marie. So I really love ghost stories, and my boyfriend and I listen to them every night to fall asleep. I recently discovered your podcast, and I love it. You make me feel at home with your no-filter mouth, and you even say, bye, the way my brother and I do. I love your personality, and I hope you never stop despite despite your experiences. Thank you so much for bringing fun and lightheartedness to scary stories. Becca, you're a sweetheart, and I thank you so much. And that's just a really nice message. One of the best messages, actually. And um, um, bye. I started saying that with my friend, when my friend Amanda started saying it, she's my best friend. And just like for years, we've been saying that, um, anytime we had to go anywhere. So anyways, yeah, that's where that's from. But I know they say it on my favorite murder, which is my other favorite podcast other than boys don't like funny girls. And, um, same thing when I heard them say it, I was like, Oh, these are my spirit animals. So, um, she also, um, has a scary story that I'm going to tell you tonight. And, um, I'm trying to think if there's any other good ones that I know of, like my own personal ones. I think I've kind of run out of them with the exception of the time a demon terrorized one of my friends. And I'm trying to hold on to that one for when I have a guest on the show so I can just like terrify them with this story. (laughs) So I might not, um, I might not, I might not tell that one. If I can, if something pops in my head along the way, because so many weird things have happened to me, I'll definitely let you know. Side note, Tamara, a girl that I've talked about on this podcast many a time, um, tells me that she's being haunted. We talked about her uh, daughter who she believes was like pulled out of the bed in the middle of the night um, and a few other really creepy things that have happened to her. And she sent me a video the other day where she had left the bakery and she, that she works in, she works at a bakery or owns it. I'm pretty sure. And when she came back into the bakery, there was like this, I don't know exactly what it is. I'm pretty sure it's for like, um, 
like sifting icing sugar on top of cakes or cookies or whatever, but it was like swinging by itself. It was really fucking creepy. Um, the hometown hauntings. So the last episode I did, I did a haunting from Hamilton, Ontario. Um, so what had happened last week was that I had, usually I record these episodes on Tuesday nights and then I post them on Wednesday. Um, and what had happened was I had recorded that episode late. I had recorded it on a Wednesday or a Thursday, recorded it, recorded it in it. I recorded it on a Wednesday or Thursday. Um, and so on Tuesday, when I checked the hometown, it was Hamilton. And then I guess the day that I went to go and check again to talk about like who the top cities or our top countries were, um, it changed to Eau Claire, Wisconsin. So today for the hometown hauntings, I found one from Eau Claire, Wisconsin, which I'm really excited about. Um, and then when I checked my stats today, today, the number one, uh, city was, um, San Francisco. So thank you, San Fran. Like I want to go to San Fran so bad. My parents have been a million times and I want to go. Um, other country or top countries this week, United States, United Kingdom, Canada, Denmark, Cayman Islands, some really cool ones in here. France is listening this time. That's a new one. We've had Japan and Netherlands before, Mexico, Brazil, we've had before. Colombia is new and Russia is listening to my podcast, you guys. Russia. So that's pretty cool. Um, let's, let's see, let's see what we got going on today. So I guess we'll start with, um, we'll start with Becca's story. Uh, so let's see here. So she said, so she, she's like, I have a bunch of stories, but I have one specifically that left me scared to death forever. <laughs> uh, so I was like, Oh my God, tell me, I really want to know, like, tell me, tell me the story. So she told me that, um, well, I'll just read it. So there was this one time when I was about 25 and I was living with my oldest sister. I got off, off of work one night and my coworker and I went out to a bar to unwind for the night. It was a little kind of redneck bar out in the boonies. So the lights started to flicker at the bar and the bartender says, don't worry about that. It's just Jim. And I look at her like, who the F is Jim? <laughs> and she begins to tell me an old patron of the bar who came in daily died and now haunts the bar. She tells me he often touches women too. So I say out loud, Hey Jim, nice to meet you. I know you're here. I'm cool with it. But if you touch me, we're going to have some problems. So the night carries on with little disturbances like lights flickering, doors opening, small stuff. Okay, small stuff. My coworker and I decide to head home. I tell him to call me when he gets home to let me know that he got home safe. I'm at home for a good five minutes, and as soon as he called me, I pick up the phone, and I pick up the phone, I hear footsteps above my room in the attic. I told him I had to go, and I was glad he was safe. I had that really deep, dreadful feeling like something bad was going to happen, and the footsteps continued. I also heard a cough and boxes shuffling. I'm not embarrassed to admit that at the age of 25, I ran into my sister's room, woke her and my brother-in-law up and asked if I could sleep on their bedroom floor. I would have done the exact same thing. After I went into their room, the noises stopped. Fucking Jim, you followed me home. 
<laughs> hearing a cough inches away from my ear, I think was what sent me into it noping right out of there. <laughs> I can't even begin to describe how much more scared a person is while intoxicated, but I was pretty much done. <laughs> She's so sweet. Anyways, that was Becca's story. Becca, thank you so much for writing in. I honestly truly love when people write into the podcast. It's one of my favorite things is to receive messages from you guys. I read all of them. I read every single one of them. So keep them coming. Like I, I honestly adore it. Um, let's take a gander here. Oh, you know what? I got a cute little story I could tell you guys. Um, this one's, I was going to tell you a few weeks ago. And then I switched it like in the middle of the podcast, I just decided, you know what, I'm not going to tell that story. I'm gonna tell a different one. So this one happened to my mom. Um, when my mom was, uh, when my mom and dad were like married, they had only been married for, I'm guessing for a short while, like my brother and I would have been born already. Um, but my younger siblings were not. Um, she was lying in bed and she, uh, woke up and she saw my dad's uncle sitting uh, at the end of the bed. And my dad's uncle had been dead for quite some time. And uh, my dad or my mom woke up and was like, oh, my God, I'll wake up Greg, my dad. I'll wake up Greg for you. And he was like, no, no, don't wake up. Well, don't wake him up. I'm here to talk to you. And she was like, oh, OK. And he said, uh, Norma, which is my grandmother's sister who passed away, Norma is up here and, um, you know, she just is like, she's, everybody just loves her. She makes everyone laugh. Um, and was just telling her that like everyone was okay. And my mom was basically like, that's great to hear. And then he said, you know, I came here for a reason. Um, I need you to take care of Irma which is my mom or my, my grandma, sorry, my grandma, I need you to take care of Irma for me. And my mom was like, what do you mean? Take care of Irma for me and for you. <laughs> what do you mean? Take care of Irma for you. And he was like, listen, like, I can't tell you anything. I just, you'll know what I mean when it happens, but you need to take care of Irma for me. And so my mom was like, okay. And then he disappeared and was gone. And my mom thought she might've been dreaming, but she remained awake. Like she was shaken. She remained awake. She was shook. She was shooketh. And so then the next day when she was talking to my dad about it, like my dad was just like, that's really weird, whatever. And I think she said it was a few days or maybe a week later, they found out that my grandfather, so my Irma, Irma's husband, uh, they found out that my grandfather had lung cancer and was dying. And so she thinks that's why he came to talk to her was to tell her to take care of Irma because he knew that my grandfather wasn't going to be around for much longer. And that's, yeah, that's a good one. That's my mom's. And like my mom is, my mom does not like that. I do this podcast. She's super against it because of all the spooky things that ended up happening to me after episode two. Um, she doesn't really like talking about ghosts and stuff like that. But when I was younger, she told me that story because of the time I saw the apparition standing at the end of my bed. And so that's a story that has stuck with me um, for a long time. Yeah, so that's that is, I guess my story for the night. 
Um, this is going to be a short episode, guys. I do apologize. I mean, whatever. Um, let's see. Hi, Abby. That's my dog. She's just hanging out with us now on the couch looking for her bone, but I'm not letting her chew it because she makes too much noise and you guys will just hear it in the background. All right, San Fran, I'm coming for you. Most of um, what I have here is from SF Gate, and this is an article that was written by Katie Dowd. So I'm just going to paraphrase some of it. Um, she did a really good job. This was one of the more... Um, one of the more in-depth ghost stories I've read on the internet. So I was very pleasantly surprised. So it says, uh, I guess this is a famous ghost story. And she says, if you've heard about this, it's probably some version of this. So in the years before the 1906 earthquake, a beautiful young woman lived in the city with her infant child. One day, the woman decided to take the baby to Golden Gate Park for a jaunt around Stowe Lake. While on their walk, the woman spotted a friend and the two sat down on a bench to catch up. After a few minutes, the woman turned to check on her baby. To her horror, the pram was no longer beside her. In a panic, she ran around the lake screaming for her child. The last anyone saw of her, alive, was when, in a moment of horrid realization, she ran into the lake. For the last century, people on foggy nights have reported seeing a distressed woman in a white gown walking around the rim of Stowe Lake. Some say she approaches them and begs them to help her find her baby. Others have only heard her moans. The story is so famous that Golden Gate Park even has a page dedicated to the legend. It's a classic haunting ghost story, so it's no surprise that the tale has resonated with locals and ghost hunters for over 100 years. But is there any truth to the legend of the white lady of Stowe Lake? And then she gets investigative, which I fucking love. Because she's not just here, like, retelling me a story. She's going in depth on, did this really happen? Let's take a gander and find out for ourselves, shall we? The first mention of a phantom in the Golden Gate, in Golden Gate Park is a front page chronicle story from January 6, 1908. The article talks about Arthur Pigeon and his uh, car full of female partygoers. The vehicle was speeding through the park late at night before being a a oh my gosh, before being apprehended by police. Inside, the officer found a car full of terrified people, white as a ghost. <clears throat> Pigeon told the officer that they'd seen a thing directly in front of the vehicle. Uh, it was in a white robe and holding its arms out as as if it was uh, trying to stop the uh, vehicle. It was a thin, tall figure. It, it was shining. It had long, fair hair, and it was barefoot. Um, and Pigeon said that he didn't notice her face because he was too afraid. The officer asked uh, if they had previously, previously visited beach resorts that might produce ghosts, and uh, the group insisted no. The officer then asked them to show him where they saw the ghost. The girls in the car freaked out, uh, and they left poor Arthur Pigeon to show the officer back to the spot where he'd seen the ghost. Obviously, it was not there. Captain Gleason of the park station was informed of it uh, and gave orders that any ghost answering this description is to be arrested. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, you. <laughs> San Francisco history before the 1906 earthquake can be difficult to verify. The fire destroyed the city's police and coroner's reports, along with thousands of personal records kept by families. So if there was a police report about a woman and her baby drowning in the lake, it's likely gone. Newspaper crime stories and death notices give a more complete and surprisingly deadly picture of Golden Gate Park in the late 1800s. Uh, the park, with its many dark corners, was a common spot for suicides, so common, in fact, that the San Francisco Call ran a Sunday feature in 1900 called The Park Suicides. Oh, and there's a picture of it. The park, with uh, its luxury of trees, shrubbery, and green grass, seemed to appeal strongly to the troubled philosopher who seeks to rid himself of what he deems a burden, is what uh, part of the article had written. Uh, there was a story accompanied by a complete list of suicides in the park since 1890, and it found that one in every 12 suicides in San Francisco actually took place in the park. The methods ranged from poisoning to self-inflicted gunshot wounds. There's only one suicide by drowning, and that death was later ruled as a homicide. So if the, if the White Lady of Stow Lake died there, then it must have been after the 1900 article was written. Surely a suicide that dramatic would have warranted a mention, she writes. If any single anecdote gave life to the ghost of Stowe Lake, it is this small item from uh, in the July 10th, 1906 call. Mary Cook and Nellie Gilligan, both 12-year-old earthquake refugees living, I think she means living in the park, reported to police that they'd seen the naked body of a baby floating in Lloyd Lake, which is a pond near Stowe Lake. The police made a full investigation. They didn't find a body, but just in case they planned to drag, drag the lake. There was no newspaper articles after that on the subject, so the search must have come up empty. Uh, coupled with the park's reputation as a suicide spot, the legend writes itself. A beautiful woman and her infant child, a tragic death in the park, a spirit that can't find peace. For those who believe in ghosts, there's no shortage of candidates for who could be the real Lady of Stowe Lake. The 1900 park suicide story offers tales of at least four women who took their own lives in the park, including one whose name was never discovered. Boom. That's it. Katie Dowd. Katie Dowd. Good article, girl. Anyways, that's the story for San Fran's hometown haunting. I hope I did okay. I basically just reread Katie's story. Um, that's fucked, though. That's like some... Ugh, it scares me. It's like The Ring. Like the movie The Ring, you know? Just terrified. Terrified. Girls, like, girls in white long dresses... It's scary. Anyways, next. Okay, Eau Claire, let me tell you. You guys got some fucked up shit going on in, in Eau Claire because you have your own like Google. Okay, I've been, I've literally never seen this before. But on Google, I like it's made with Google Maps and it's like google.com slash maps, whatever. And the title, when I, I literally just Googled Eau Claire, Wisconsin haunting, it's the second down on Google and it says Eau Claire, Wisconsin's ghost stories. And I click it and it takes me to like a list and there's a Google map and it takes me to this list of all these hauntings. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 12 on just this list clustered in a tiny, tiny little area, tiny little area in Eau Claire. Like it was insane. So 
I was looking through these and like you can literally click on the hauntings. It's like on the left side. You can click on the hauntings and it'll tell you about it. But honestly, these things are like city blocks away from each other. Like all of them are within a very, very close vicinity. It's insane to me. So anyways, I found all these hauntings. The one I really wanted to write about was fire station number 10. Um, there was a firefighter who had died, not in a fire, but he had passed away from heart failure and he haunts their fire station. And they say like 80% of the 80% of the um, firefighters that work there or people that work in the fire station have seen his apparition. Um, but that's really all that they said. There was no real good story for me to, to write. Um, I checked out Black River Falls. I checked out um, the haunted house of um, uh, Ormel Walker. I checked out the running ghost on Vine Street. There were so many good ones, but basically it was just like, hey, here's the story. Water Street Monster. Like, that's insane. Apparently there's a six foot long snake-like man that slithers around Water Street with a mouth like a crocodile, a mouth as wide as a crocodile's and a body the size of a kangaroo. And it's wise enough to talk. This is what they say about it. But like, that's it. Like, there was nothing, there's nothing that I could really, you know, give a story about until I found an article on what's called The Spectator, which is the University of Wisconsin's Eau Claire's, uh, I guess, campus, student newspaper. So I found this article. I wish that I could credit it to a student, um, but they actually don't they don't give a name of who the writer was, but I found it on The Spectator, which is funny because the newspaper in my hometown is called The Spectator. And they wrote about one of your hauntings called, and I'm probably going to get the name wrong, but I want to say it's the Care Theater. And it's spelled K-J-E-R. Care, care. I was going to call it the Jur or the Kajur. <laughs> But then the title of this article is Care to Join Me. Care like the name of the theater. Um, so I'm going to retell this story. So um, a sophomore whose name was Eddie Neve said that he had heard rumors that this theater was haunted during his first theater production last fall. So from what I can understand from reading this article, this theater is a part of the university. Um, Eddie said that he had heard about it, so he was watching for things. And it wasn't until later that year, during the spring production of Bat Boy, did he ever encounter something and it turned him into a believer. He said that one night after a show, he was slowly taking off his stage makeup and he was the last one to leave. He said that he went on stage and saw a side door was open as though someone had pushed it and he prepared to leave. He glanced down again at the open door. He looked at the door and he saw it slowly close by itself. He knew that nobody was there. So he freaked out and said, now I won't go in there if it's dark and I'm by myself. Um, Eau Claire area paranormal researcher Chad Lewis. So I found a few things that Chad Lewis has written online. Again, very short to the point, like nothing that I could really make a story out of, but I would love to talk to this guy. Like 
I wish that I had done this earlier than tonight because I would love, I'm probably just going to reach out to him anyways and be like, hey, I do this podcast. Can you tell me some cool stories about Eau Claire? Because your city is fucking full of these ghost stories. Like, it seems like every corner you take, like you're about to run into a ghost from the stories that I read on online here. But anyways, I want to talk to Chad Lewis. So Chad Lewis, he's an Eau Claire area paranormal researcher. And he said that he receives an increasing number of supports of reports every year of unexplained things that happen in the theater, specifically from the students. Earl Kier, he was the founder of the theater. He was a faculty member and he taught speech and theater during the 40s through the 60s. He died suddenly in January of 1965 when he was 61 years old. And ever since then, people have seen strange activity going on or heard strange things that happen. Most of the reports are actually of seeing him sitting in his favorite seat um, or of people tampering with equipment and props or just sensing a presence in the theater while they're alone. Um, and this guy, Ch Chad Lewis, says that the most common report from students is that they sense something there when the theater is empty and they feel like they're being watched. Uh, another girl named Becky Witt said that she too believes that it's haunted. Last fall, uh, she stage managed the play Everyman. And she said, last fall, I say this as if this was, this was written in 2006. So Becky Claire or Becky, oh my gosh, what did I do? I lost my spot. <laughs> Becky Witt said that she believed that the theater was haunted. She managed the play Everyman, and she said that she had an unexplainable experience. She would come into the theater before rehearsal, and the lights would be turned on when she hadn't turned them on. Uh, five years ago, this guy, Chad Lewis, my new BFF, who I want to talk to, decided to investigate. He camped out in the theater for one night, hoping to detect activity. He brought video cameras with night vision lenses um, so that he could detect figures. He got motion detectors, both 35 milliliter, milliliter, both, <laughs> both 35 millimeter and digital cameras, audio recording equipment, laser guided thermometers to determine if there were any areas in the building that were drafty or particularly cold and electromagnetic frequency meters. The EMF meters pick up changes in electrical and magnetic energy, which can sometimes uh, indicate that there's a ghost around. Despite all the equipment, he didn't find anything that night and hasn't been back since to continue the investigation. He wants to go back and continue the investigation. It's unfortunate because uh, he only has a limited amount of time to investigate. Uh, the, the guy at the beginning, Neve, he said that he believes that Kira is still hanging around the theater because he doesn't want to leave the place that he loved. People who have a strong, or people have a strong passion for theater. And if you devote your life to something, it makes sense why you'd want to stay for your afterlife. Uh, that girl, uh, Becky Witt said she thinks care might, might move props and lights to his personal tastes. He might tamper with stuff to let them know that he's still there. Um, and she thinks that he's welcoming the college students and likes what they're doing in the theater and that they're continuing on. Although three stage directors declined to comment, Lewis said he had heard many students have tried to see Kier's ghost themselves. If anything, it helps the theater department. Some people attend plays because they hope to see the ghost. Boom. That's it. I loved that one. And I'm serious. With Eau Claire, invite me. Invite me over, please. This is the coolest fucking it seems like the coolest fucking town like 
all these things in one tiny area. We should do a ghost tour. We should do a tour of all of these things. And like, I heard that Lakeview Cemetery is super, super haunted. And that there was like a, a television show of like another ghost hunter show or something like that that happened there. But anyways, these are all in like an extremely close uh, proximity to each other. And yeah, that's, that's it, you guys. Those are my things. How was your weeks? What'd you guys do? That's nice. I didn't get up too much. Just talked about ghosts a lot. That was it. All right. Well, my dog is snoring. I'm going to be snoring soon. It's getting late. I'm going to post this tomorrow. And um, thank you so much for listening. You guys can uh, follow me. Twitter, Instagram. It's at Splendora underscore. So that's at S-P-L-E-N-D-O-R-A underscore. You can email me. It's A-D-O-R-A-N-T-I-M at gmail.com. Tell me your creepy ghost stories. Tell me your town's creepy ghost stories. Tell me your mom or your dad's or your friend's creepy ghost stories. I love a good demon story if I can get one. Tell me everything. Just keep me updated. I can't wait to read them. I read every single message. Send me nice things. I promise. I'm the best. I'm really nice. I'm super nice. And I respond to like every message that I get. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Love you guys so much. Stay spooky. Bye.